Hello and welcome to Complete Caribbean, a Travel Pulse podcast all about the world's favorite warm weather destination, the Caribbean. I'm writer, editor, and Caribbean travel expert, Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major, managing editor here at Travel Pulse. We're happy to have you join us today as we discuss the ins and the outs of Caribbean travel and we share the latest info and intelligence on this wonderfully diverse region. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Complete Caribbean podcast. It is Thursday, September 23rd. Let's get right into it with this just in. So last week, Brian and I were at um, a virtual conference that the Caribbean Tourism Organization organized, um, and it had several Caribbean destinations, and they were all reporting about what was going on in tourism in their respective markets. There was a lot of news a ton of news, but I just wanted to share a few headlines with you right now. So first of all, Curacao reported that 70% of their population is vaccinated. Hooray. And they're looking forward to the opening of Sandals Royal Curacao there uh, next April. Lisa Cummins from Tourism in Barbados shared that arrivals on that island are down 70% compared to this time last year. But the good news is that they've had more than 5,000 people join their Welcome Stamp Remote Worker Program. And she had more good news that she talked about the launch of a new COVID testing lab at the Crane Resort, which some of you may know or have stayed at. Um, it's not just for visitors at the testing lab. It's not just for guests at the Crane. It's open to everyone. And it supplements the free COVID testing that you get when you arrive, that you can get when you arrive at Granny Adams International Airport. Uh, we're also looking to a slew, looking forward to a slew of new hotels in the coming months. Um, on Grenade, I'm sorry, on St. Vincent, there is the Lavu Boutique and Beach Club, which opens later this year. And then that's, of course, followed next year in 2022 by the first beaches resort ever in the Caribbean. And then Grenada will welcome a Six Senses Resort and Kimpton Kawana Bay next year. And this October, a Royalton Resort opens in Grenada as well. In Anguilla, the former Cuisine Art Resort will debut as Aurora Anguilla Resort and Golf Club in November. And in St. Lucia, Cabot St. Lucia opens in 2022. Lots of new properties to look forward to. And I like the, uh, it's interesting, uh, Lisa talked about the Welcome Stamp program and how that Mm -hmm. uh, really, because people were living there, they they created a whole new economic front uh, for Barbados. And and they're helping them get over the, the, you know, the decline in tourism. Um, I want to mention two um, boutique Caribbean destinations that are finally going to be accessible to U.S. travelers via direct nonstop flight connections. And as Sarah said, this came from the same group of CTO briefings. There was so much information there. Um, American Airlines will offer service from Miami to Dominica beginning December 8th, according to Denise Charles, the country's tourism minister. Denise said the flights are a major milestone for the island and the U.S. Ser- and the new service will also allow travelers from the U.S. from other U.S. cities from other U.S. cities to visit Dominica through Miami. And Sarah can tell you how much how important that is just to have a direct flight from the U.S. You're not Absolutely. connecting. Right. I mean, you're not connecting. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not dealing with uh, potentially a uh, day and a half, two day um, travel to your destination. So Americans also launching nonstop, <clears throat> excuse me, twice weekly flights from Miami to Anguilla 
beginning December 11th. Again, that'll be the first direct service to that island from the U.S. And Allison Ross, an Anguilla Tourist Board, Tourist Board spokesperson, said the Gateway in Miami opens new markets for Anguilla with connectivity from the West Coast and also from Canada. So there's a lot more service in the region. Let me tell you, I'm I'm, I'm excited to hear about the, the new service to both of those destinations, but Anguilla in particular, because it is one of my favorite Caribbean destinations. And I have to tell you, I always say, you know, I could live here if it weren't behind the gateway, but now it's not behind the gateway. Now it has its own gateway. I don't know. I might be moving to Anguilla next year. Who knows? We have had that exactness because I remember you're saying that and how, and it's right? true. I mean, it, it is a big factor. You live in Miami. So, I mean, come on. I mean, it's... It's it's, yeah. it's bringing Anguilla to your doorstep, more or less. Yeah, exactly. That's a quick commute, right? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, um, we've discussed before that much of the Caribbean is already open. I, I think like 98% of the Caribbean is already open. Yes. But there are still a handful of destinations that remain closed to leisure travelers. One of these was the Cayman Islands, which has very stringent COVID progress. Uh, progulations. <laughs> progulations. <laughs> that's 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 a combination of protocols and regulations for those not in the know. But it has very stringent right. COVID regulations um, in, in place for the last 18 months. And they had planned to go to pro- phase four of their reopening plan, which would be admitting international tourists on Monday, on October 14th. However, unfortunately, Uh, COVID put the kibosh on it. And even though they have more than 70% of the Cayman Islands is vaccinated, there was a recent outbreak of COVID and Cayman has decided in an abundance of caution to pause reopening plans for the rest of the year. So unfortunately, you're not going to be able to visit Grand Cayman or Cayman Brac or Little Cayman in 2021. So if you've been craving to have a cold K-brew on Seven Mile Beach, which trust me, sounds very good to me you're gonna have to wait till 2022 but honestly right better to be safe than sorry right Brian? right better to be safe than sorry you're one of the lucky ones because i think you did a cayman uh trip not too long ago a couple years ago no no it's a while it's a while back i think mm, i can't remember right i mean you know (laughs) and i've been there it's been it's been a couple years i have to admit so we're gonna have to wait a little longer but as, as Sarah said, better safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, from a destination we both have visited often in recent years, Jamaica um, comes news. The country is preparing for the debut of a long awaited travel insurance program for visitors. Donovan White, the director of tourism, said in the CTO briefings that the government is in the process of selecting carriers for what he said will be a game changing coverage that covers and facilitates logistics movement and support care for travelers who contact who contract who contract <laughs> COVID-19 while in the destination on vacation and um, you heard mailing uh, in our um, well you will hear um, uh, another person uh, mailing Chung who is the director of St. Martin Tourism talk about travel insurance uh, w- with regard to travel to that des- destination and I believe this is a instrumental part of Caribbean travel going forward. You should have insurance. If you don't take out third-party insurance, um, look for destinations that are offering these kinds of programs. And there are some resorts that are offering these programs as well. So um, look for that in the Caribbean. 
Yeah, because honestly, as we've discussed before, um, anytime you take a trip now to the Caribbean or anywhere in the world, you do have to think of the worst case scenario. You do have to have a quarantine plan because even if you are as careful as you can possibly be, it is possible that you come into contact, close contact with someone who has not been careful and you end up paying the price and uh, having to be in quarantine. So when you take insurance, that price gets a little smaller, at least on the monetary, on the monetary side of things. Absolutely. And it gives you that peace of mind that you're not, that's one less thing you're going to have to worry about. I, I should have mentioned that Jamaica's overall vaccination, Jamaica is one of the islands, one of the islands in the Caribbean where the vaccination relate vaccination rate remains low, but the country has, uh, uh, recorded 829 visitor arrivals by the end of August. There is a new um, program in place. I to think vaccinate. it's got to be more than 829, Bri. 829,000. I, okay. I was going to say, I hope, it's, I hope it's more than 829 people who went to Jamaica this year. Good. I'd be very upset if only 829 people had visited in yeah, August. But Mr. It was Bartlett's going to come and beat you, Brian. I'm telling you. <laughs> if I ever let that statistic stand, that would uh, be big trouble. Uh, 829,000. Um, as uh, Minister Bartlett has explained on this program before, they, they're using a resilient corridor system where um, tourists are separated uh, from the general population, but still access almost every um, tourist attraction that's available mm-hmm. in Jamaica. So um, they are now under using a vaccination program and uh, hopefully Jamaica will get up to where some of the other islands are, which um, we're finding a lot of islands with relatively high vaccination rates. And you'll hear about that later in the program. And now onto the Island Intel section of our podcast. We are thrilled today to have with us a very special guest. You know, they're always special, but this one's even more special. Her name is Mei-Ling Chun, and she is the Director of Tourism for the Dutch Caribbean Territory of St. Martin. Welcome. Good morning, Mei-Ling. Welcome, welcome. Uh, thank you. I, mean, I want to say welcome because that's what I always first say. But <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning, everyone. Good morning, listeners. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled to have you, Brian and I. We were just talking before off off air. We were talking about the fact that I really only have been to St. Martin once and stayed, and that was on the French side. I'm always just transiting through, whereas Brian has the advantage. He has been many times. So maybe we have to come to you and do a little show from there in St. Martin. Um, it's not a maybe because now I'm going to hold you to it. You see this little school teacher finger? Oh, yes. Sarah has to come down. Right, Brian? We're going to team up and we're going to get oh, her yeah. to St. Martin. Oh, yes. we have to. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. going to hit all the spots, really. Not yeah. a problem. We're gonna, we got right, this. Fair enough. Uh-huh. Fair enough. <laughs> well, let's get down to it. Uh, you know, as usual, we want to ask you some questions about COVID and COVID protocols and vaccination because that's what everybody wants to know. So, first, tell me first of all you know obviously we're going to come to St. Martin but my question to you is what are the current entry requirements for visitors to St. Martin okay what we first of all always do is we recommend everybody and strongly advise to stay up to date with the website stmartinentry.com you will find there all the information it's uh, www.stmartinentry.com 
E-N-T-R-Y.com, SaintMartinEntry.com. This will tell you exactly what is needed in order for you to come in at the SXM airport. Um, we have some updates. So being that, for example, for the North America, for the USA and Canada at this moment, uh, vaccinated and non-vaccinated people are um, allowed entry if they have either a PCR 72 hours before arrival in St. Martin, no older than that, and and or a 48-hour antigen test. Both these tests have to be taken um, nasal swab method. So it can be the kids from home. It can be any of that. Um, it has to be nasopharyngeal, pharyngeal. I always have a difficult time with that word. <laughs> uh, so let's, nasopharyngeal, yes. I think, is it? Nasopharyngeal. Like yes, yes, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yes, those are the latest updates. And uh, I suggest, yes, go to the website and you will see a chart and it will explain you exactly uh, what is allowed and not allowed. Mm-hmm. Feeling every place in the world has had to deal with a, uh, uh, this pandemic. Um, so for St. Martin, what is the current uh, state of infection and current cases? How okay, are you managing? Um, what's, the, what's the latest? We're, we're managing, you know, being a small island, and you have to also keep in mind when you have your medical infrastructure has to be able to hold people. So a lot of times people are like, oh, why haven't you be more flexible? Because you have to remember you are servicing not only your community, you're servicing tourists. And we opened up with, with protocols. And so... Uh, at this moment, the active cases, I, we get daily reports. So the last report we got was yesterday, and that is 159 cases we have on the Dutch side. Um, we, as you know, because of the two, uh, two systems, we report the Dutch side cases. And uh, that's, um, you know, that has been going down again because like everywhere else in the world, we had that trend of going up again because of the variants that are going around, especially the Delta and the Alpha. But luckily, we are able to say that they have started to decrease again. So active cases are 159 at the moment. Okay. And yeah. and are those cases you finding, are you finding them are commu- cases of community spread or are those also in the tourist areas? Now, at this moment, um, it's a mixture, but it's community and and tourists. Um, it is mitigated, so I don't have the exact number. It's mostly community, but that does not take away that you will have um, a tourist, um, mm-hmm. a small percentage, you will have that tourists are affected because either they have symptoms or what happens is because of the regulation of CDC that you have to return to the States with the test. When they go test, they find out they have ah, it. Yeah. So now the good thing about that is, is that we have, when you have these entry requirements where you have to fill out, you know, the electronic health authorization, we also hooked on to, to that a mandatory insurance. And that mandatory COVID insurance, which used to be $30 and as of August 1st last month became $15, is a steal of a deal because that covers you in case you are diagnosed positive. It will cover you for testing, for staying at a hotel, for transportation, medical transportation, for in case of medifac, in case of hospitalization. All of that is then that every person that actually comes on vacation has a mandatory insurance attached to their authorization form. And 
that came in handy. I know in the beginning, people were like, oh, you're charging us, you're charging us. But as we all know, this pandemic has changed all over the world. It is that yes. same insurance that has protected us and protected our tourists. That luckily they had that. And we have then, um, it's well put together. Claims are sent in, everything. And the tourists are protected. I think that's pretty much the best value you're going to get for fifteen dollars. I was going to say that right? is like that is like a steal of a deal yes. because yeah. medevac and take it from somebody who's been medevac, um, you're talking about potentially a six figure total cost for that whole thing. Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> this is something significant. It's really, and I think we're going to see more of that. And it's it's commendable mm-hmm. that uh, Saint Martin is doing that to protect both the health and the safety and its own infrastructure. I mean, the, the infrastructure of the medical facility to be taking care yeah. of so many people. I mean, it's yeah, really we're very, we're very limited, Brian. And so you have to do it in such a way that if you have issues and you are able, um, you know, to accommodate and mitigate, and that's the most important thing we're trying to do. And so far it's been working. That sounds great. I think that's true for a lot of the Caribbean. It's been working so far. And, you know, these are these are the kind of measures that's that are necessary measures. Yeah. Um, so, Maylene, what percentage of residents, uh, including tourism workers, have been vaccinated at this point? Do you have a vaccination program or how are you handling? Oh, that? yes. Oh, oh, yes. We're very excited about our, of our national campaign, um, the Ministry of Public Health. Um, has um, has been on this since day one. And that vaccination program is, we keep pushing it. Uh, can the percentage be higher? Yes. Um, I have to get an updated percentage, but the last one I got, we were close to 40%. It was like 38, 40%. But also that, that changed because when you have uh, before the, the teenagers or the youth, was not being vaccinated, remember? So then all of a sudden now the youth can be vaccinated. So your total population eligible for vaccination becomes more so than your percentage. You got to keep pushing. So it's trying to balance that out. So the national campaign continues through social media to hotspots, to locations being open on weekends as well. And uh, all the hotels actually, they continue pushing it as well. And of course, we've been preparing the destination for reopening last year. So there were protocols put in place already, but the vaccination uh, campaign, it's, it's going full force. You know, Maylin, we we have seen other countries like uh, the Turks and Caicos Islands, uh, Anguilla and Cayman, they have started to restrict visitors to vaccinated people only. I know St. Martin is not doing that right now, but are there any plans to do so in the future that you can share? Um, I'm not sure um, in the sense that that's an update that should come from the Ministry of Public Health. And that is something mm-hmm. I haven't received yet, but uh, I will be requesting that as well so we can stay up to date. But we haven't heard anything about that yet. Yes. It's good to be guided by the science, right? Absolutely. Yes. Guided well, by Sarah, the science. You have to know Sarah and I are big supporters of vaccination. Uh, we consider it, you know, essential to Caribbean travel. And we've been we've been derided by some people by that. Apparently, we got some emails telling us uh, not to put our views out. But uh, this is something we believe in and we think it's really important. Um, Mayling, you know, I want to ask... Uh, 
obviously, what are the signature St. Martin attractions that are available right now? And I want to ask you, maybe you know, because this is something, it's very small. It's not mm-hmm. one of the bigger attractions in St. Martin, but it's something I love. The Carousel Ice Cream Shop, with oh. all of those great photos and ice cream. Is that I still love it too. open? Is I love that around? Too. Okay, good. Well, Thanks. <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> well, but there's actually, so much more to do in St. Martin, but I'm asking about this. Yeah, well, I'll answer that. The carousel is still there and the carousel um, uh, building everything. Actually, Toppers moved into there. Remember Toppers Rum and Toppers Restaurant? Yes. Yes, they moved into that building. Yes, they moved into that building. And yes, it's still around, but um, under not the same owners. So as we know, beautiful building. So um, that is one for sure. What's nice about St. Martin, like uh, the special attractions, you know, you have your rainforest adventure, which is the steepest zip line going up our hill. Um, So it's the Flying Dutchman. I am sure you've seen it. But it's, yeah, but just that whole estate is amazing. The Emilio Wilson estate with the restaurant there, it's basically dining with history. It has a lot of history, but the uh, the cable cart, even if you don't want to do the adventure zip line, the cable cart just going up is a beautiful view, spending some time up there. Um, sometimes they do yoga up there. So those are attractions as well. But what has happened um, with St. Martin, this whole transformation when we closed last year, you know, 2020, the whole thing panicking, and then we reopened. But during the lockdown, you know, people had time, of course, on their hands. But what you do is what happened on St. Martin was this self-discovery of uh, people started growing their own things, growing their own vegetables, um, spending more time with family, taking when we finally were allowed out, people started hiking. Um, There was a lot of exchange between community, you know, citizens of uh, exchanging vegetables and and plants because everybody is growing, you know, the self-sustainable sustainability came out in a whole other way, but also in Phillipsburg. Uh, Phillipsburg became this colorful a place because we started these projects with artists because for artists it was the hardest time but we as you know say martin has a lot of talent so we have now all these murals we started this program with be the change foundation with melanie swazi and her team and we joined as a tourist board but the artists came out and we had all these beautiful murals in Phillipsburg. so all of a sudden there was a shift on not just attractions and putting people on an island tour and, you know, you go with a whole bunch of people um, uh, touring different sites, which I'm not saying is anything wrong with, but this whole whole other side of St. Martin cultural-wise. And uh, Clara, who's our head of culture, um, she's amazing. And because of that, we had also a whole transformation of... Um, a vegan like uh, food and private chefs and restaurants coming out and and all of this because of this whole shutdown and this whole so St. Martin has transformed in having a lot more interesting attributes and that's why we're we we keep on you know doing our aggressive promotions because we want people to come and see this new this new face And if you had to recommend one thing, maybe one activity or one place that you have to go, the one place, what would you say? What's your favorite? One place. Okay. I'm very much into my Zen moments now. So I think it would be the hiking, like Mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning 
and yes. to the hillsides with, with uh, I think it's called hillside plantation. And then combine that with, because the plantation has also agriculture. So I, mm-hmm. I think that would be something I recommend. Go outdoors. So and, and some food. Is there yes. some food after? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, good. Just check check And then some food. You're going to need the yes. food after the hike. You're going you're gonna to need the food. Yes, yes, yes. You're going mean, to need fuel, the food. It's fuel, right? It's sustenance. I get uh, exactly. it. Okay, hiking. I'm big hiking. into hiking. I am going to, I'm going to take your advice with that one. I, I, I yes. have realized that I, I'm, I'm at a little mountain goat. I like to hike. So I'm, I'm going to take your advice for that one. Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. But you know, it's very hard. You're asking me one, but there are other ones. You can find them on our social media pages. <laughs> we'll Perfect. showcase. Perfect. And it's visit St. Martin. Yes. It is visit vacation. No, vacation St. Martin. Yeah. Vacation mm-hmm. St. Martin is our Facebook page and Instagram. Yes. Okay. Vacation St. Martin, everyone. Make sure you go there. Make sure you get to St. Martin when you can. It's such an unusual Caribbean country. As we know, you know, it's one island, but it's two countries in between on the one island. You don't see that happening in in the Caribbean very often. So you must go. Maiden, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to come back to St. Martin and spend some more time. And I know Brian echoes that, right? Yes, I am eager to return as always. So, uh, good. Thank you so we're much. See you on the Dutch Thank side. You. See, see you on the whole island. Don't forget. It's, okay. We're not gonna. We're not gonna show you only the Dutch side. We're gonna show you the okay. whole island. All I right. live on both sides of the island. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Good. All right. We're gonna do the whole mm-hmm. thing. We'll see you yes. soon. Thank you so see much you for soon. coming. We appreciate. Take care. You. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Well, welcome now to our Island Inbox segment. Uh, we're taking each taking a couple of items that we notice in the news and that we think are important to point out, uh, uh, developments that we become aware of. And uh, I noticed that uh, there was a Nassau Tribune, which is one of the newspapers in uh, the Bahamas, uh, an interview with Robert Sands, who is president of the Bahamas Hotel and Tourism Association. He's also senior vice president at Bahamar, the big mega resort. And he predicts overnight travelers to the Bahamas will increase significantly, significantly by the end of the 2021-22 winter season. And that is early. So he's saying basically by the end of this winter season, that current bookings indicate the Bahamas will recover much of its pre-pandemic volumes. He said. So that's a yeah. That was quite a statement. Um, bold, Bold words. Yes. I mean, really, he said uh, land based land based overnight visitors in the destination would total close to 85 percent of pre-COVID levels this winter. So that's aggressive, I thought. And then his prediction actually comes days after the release of a report from Moody's, the credit rating agency. (laughs) They have a different view. They say the Bahamas tourism sector won't fully recover until 2024 at the earliest. And I'm quoting from the report, despite the uptick in tourism activity in recent months, the Bahamas faces prospects of a slow economic recovery, one that remains vulnerable to future variants of the coronavirus. The report continues, we expect tourist arrivals to take several years before returning to the pre-pandemic levels seen in 2019 and do not expect overnight arrivals to return to 2019 levels until at least 2024 while tourists arriving by cruise ship will be even slower to recover. Wow. So you've got a long road ahead of us, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you read 
the Sabbath credit rating agencies report. And, you know, you take that seriously, obviously. Um, at the same time, I mean, I, I don't think Mr. Sands is, uh, you know, speaking without, um, you know, without uh, uh, the latest information at hand. And I don't think it serves him to, uh, to characterize things in any way other than what they are. So we'll see what happens in the Bahamas. And it's funny that the report also, the Moody's report also mentions Cruz because the Bahamas was seen as the, the cruise port in the Caribbean that would benefit most from mm-hmm. um, post-pandemic, post-outbreak, and would have the most calls and the most traffic because it's close to the U.S. markets. Um, there are right. established private islands there. Many reasons the Bahamas, which was already the world's largest cruise port, actually, um, would uh, prosper in the day. So we'll see what happens coming up. So my for my second thing, I wanted to point out, like many other travel observers, I watched this week as the U.S. Centers for Disease Control added three Caribbean nations to its list of level four COVID-19 very high countries. This week, Antigua and Barbuda, Bermuda and Guyana were added to that list. Those three joined Aruba, Belize, the British Virgin Islands, Curacao, Dominica, Grenada, Haiti, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, Martinique, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Bartholomew, St. Bart's, St. Martin, and the U.S. Virgin Islands as Caribbean territories the CDC is advising travelers to avoid unless they're fully vaccinated. A couple things. Yes. Um, as you all know, Sarah and I believe in you should be vaccinated to travel in the Caribbean. You should seek vaccination. You should seek seek vaccination, period. To travel in the Caribbean, you should seek vaccination first as a first step. Um, Secondly, you you heard that list. It it pretty much covers almost every um, (laughs) tourist-reliant Caribbean destination currently hosting travelers, including ones we've been to, like you've been to the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I've been in... uh, um, in the British, we both been in the British Virgin Islands together. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, and curiously, one I've been to the Dominican Republic, which months ago was considered a high risk destination is not now and is not on that list. Um, <laughs> strangely, um, you know, I wrote a column about this for TravelPulse.com, and uh, I don't want to ever suggest that people should take CDC advisories with anything but the utmost seriousness. But uh, at the same time, Caribbean destinations have done an exemplary job, in my opinion, of um, managing um, this terrible crisis, while at the same time trying to maintain tourism activity. Um, I think for the most part, they have uh, kept tourists safe. And uh, for most of the destinations on this list, I have no, and almost all of them, really, I have no um, issue personally traveling to them i think it is safe to travel to these destinations if you follow the protocols and yes. if you are vaccinated underlined in red three times if, in bold yes and purchase travel insurance or secure travel insurance beforehand um do people take cdc advisory seriously <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know st lucia and uh what is it um i think curacao um reported some of their highest monthly totals ever pre-pandemic totals of visitor arrivals that beat pre-pandemic levels yes. in the last few months. So they're both on that list. So Antigua was the other destination, St. Lucia and Antigua. So um, obviously folks are still traveling to those countries from the U S um, and both of those countries are, are, are implement, have implemented 
stringent programs um, that address um, entry and uh, and protocols. So we'll see what happens. But folks, it's a personal decision in the end. Um, I personally will continue to travel to the region. Yeah, and you know what? I have to say, I think you know, I think it's a personal decision. But it's also a decision that you're making for other people because it's, I'll put it this way. It's a personal decision to get vaccinated, but it's a public decision if you decide you're not going to be vaccinated. Because if you're not going to be vaccinated, it affects me and it affects your community, right? Because we will never reach herd immunity, uh, blah, 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 for all the reasons that we've discussed before and everybody knows. But, um, you know, I think I, I, I agree with you, Brian. I just want to say I think we've had a lot of talk about, you know, personal people's personal rights to travel and rights to go to do what they want to do. But let's also think about our responsibilities as good citizens and to the communities that we live in. You have rights, but you also have responsibilities too to the people you live amongst. I couldn't amen. express it better. I couldn't, amen. I couldn't express it better. And I just want to point out that I'm not sure how many U.S. states would uh, not, would escape H level four CDC <laughs> advisory, <laughs> which they're not telling you to go, not to go to yeah, sp- yeah. specific states. So yeah, I got to say Florida, yeah. mm, right. where I am, mm, not so sure. <laughs> We'd be like level. What? 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 <laughs> Anywho. <Go blue. laughs> okay. Okay. But we're going to finish up with my two pieces, which I have to tell you people are very lighthearted and fun because, you know, that's what I'm about. And we have enough bad news. You know, you can get Definitely. your bad news elsewhere. So first of all, about, was it last week? No, two weeks ago. I was in Bimini for the weekend, which is, of course, Bimini is a perfect uh, long weekend destination. It's of the Bahamas, 700 islands. It's actually the closest one to the U.S. It's only 50 miles away from South Florida. So I actually flew from Fort Lauderdale to Bimini and had, yes, yes, absolutely. So I uh, flew from Fort Lauderdale to Bimini for the weekend, had a fabulous time. And if you've ever been to the Bahamas or you've not been to the Bahamas, you need to know that you can't go to the Bahamas and leave without sampling conch salad. Conch salad has, for those of you who don't know, has no lettuce in it. It's called salad, but there's no lettuce in it. It's really a ceviche style preparation of conch, which is prevalent in those beautiful Bahamian waters. And so usually they chop it up um, with, you know, you just buy it from a stall on the side of the street and it's chopped up um, conch with onions, green peppers um, and lime juice. Right? Is there something I'm forgetting? Onions, conch, so yeah, conch, mango? onions. What happens in lime juice. No, no, no. Hold on, I'm coming to that. So, oh, okay, that's a traditional preparation, and it's really good, kind of like ceviche, mm. but better, I think. But anyway, so you go and you have conch salad. But however, on Bimini, and there are great conch stands on Bimini. I can recommend Stewart's is great, and I think that Joe's is on the corner. He's also great. But I've discovered a new conch stand. Is the gentleman? The proprietor's name is Big Mike, and he's a big guy, as you would expect. And he has his stand. He's had his stand since 2004. And he is on Radio Beach, which is a beautiful beach on Bimini named for the radio, the big telecommunications tower that's there. Um, But Mike makes this thing called tropical conch salad. And so to all those traditional ingredients, he adds fresh mango. Ah. Fresh green apples, which of course are actually imported from America because they don't grow in the Caribbean. Um, Pineapple, which definitely does grow in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And cucumber. And let me tell you, tropical conch salad is the way you want to go, people. It's really, really good. 
uh, you can get this huge bowl, cost just $13. And if two of you can share that bowl and be full, uh, you definitely, definitely need to put on your list if you're going to Bimini. Go see Big Mike. Tell him I sent you. He is on Radio Beach Wednesday through Sunday from 12 until noon. You can thank me later. This is why we travel the Caribbean for things like this. Absolutely. And I know we're running out of time, but I just have to get this one item in. So, you know, because of COVID, hashtag COVID, I have not been to a cinema forever, right? For two years, probably. And I always swore I was not going back anytime soon. But I have to say, I got some news over the transom this week that's changing my mind. And that is that finally, the long-awaited uh, most recent installment of the James Bond movie, No Time to Die, is yes, is coming to U.S. cinemas on October 8th. And let me tell you, there is a Caribbean connection here. The Caribbean connection, mm-hmm. of course, is that you know that the James Bond author, Ian Fleming, he lived in Jamaica for a long time in the 50s. In fact, you can go and stay at his um, house, Goldeneye, which is part of Goldeneye Resort in Orcabesa, Jamaica. Anyway, so Jamaica is a birthplace of Bond. And wouldn't you know it, for this new movie, No Time to Die, there have been a lot of scenes shot in Jamaica because Daniel Craig, who... I will fight you if you tell me that there's a better, more handsome (laughs) 007. Daniel Craig, in this installment, Daniel Craig is apparently in retirement in Jamaica and living the life, chilling. But of course, you know, he gets a call from his friend Felix in the CIA and then all sorts of mayhem and international high-speed chases are going to ensue. Anyway, I just want to say no time to die with many scenes shot in Jamaica. And starring hot Daniel Craig opens October 8th. And if you want to see a little bit of Jamaica until you can get there in real life, go see it. I might see you there because if anyone can get me into a cinema, it's Daniel Craig. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> so, you know, Jamaica, as you pointed out, has this tradition of Bond films filmed in Jamaica. Yes, and, uh, right. If you've ever watched Dr. No, I think it is. No, I think it's Slip and mm-hmm. Let Die. No, it's Slip and Let Die. There's a scene where he's trapped in this alligator place. Yes. Yes. I've that's visited the alligator place. Yes. So safari, safari Village, <laughs> yes. right? I've been there too. I don't know if it's still there, but. I don't know. Yeah. Until you can get to Jamaica, go and see No Time to Die. Or if you're a bit afraid of the cinema like me, then turn on Netflix and you can watch Dr. No. That was also shot in Jamaica in 1962 and Live and Let Die in 1973. Yes. Big tradition. All right, guys. I think that's it. Our producer is telling us it's time to wrap it up. So we're going to wrap it up. We're going to thank you very, very much for listening to us. We know that you could listen to tons of other podcasts, but you listen to us and we are thrilled about it. Thank you so much for your support. We'll hope you you like it. We hope you will subscribe and tell all your friends and get them to subscribe too. Don't miss us. Bye-bye now. All right. Take care, Bob. We'll see you next time.